The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Is there such a thing as a traveler? Not a Delta. Because we know on one flight, Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. While on the flight after, 8C is occupied by Jen, whose favorite snack is tea. That's why we provide fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi available for SkyMiles members. Because at Delta, we know. Refill? Everyone flies their own way. Delta. Keep climbing. Free Wi-Fi available on most domestic flights. Terms of use apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Well, I can I can say this. I think that probably as I look at this crowd out here, you, you all can probably relate to this. While I was dancing, okay, I would thought it was pretty darn good. I mean, I thought it was impressive, you know. I mean, I thought I was smooth, you know, rolling. Then my daughter showed me later on tape, and it looked a lot like what happens at home when she videotapes me. It wasn't too much different. So uh, I was a little bit disappointed in the point. You know, the tape doesn't lie. I was a little bit disappointed in the performance. Good couple of days for the Harbaugh brothers. Chris. Big Happy days. New Year. Big days. Happy good, New Year. Good couple of days for them. No doubt about it. The Harbaugh's. And who's got it better than them? Nobody, as they said last night. But uh hey, John, he right had now. it going. He had like he had some soul and some rhythm going there for a little bit. Then he became when he started doing this, then he became Johnny White Man football coach. So it was good. We got to see a little bit of both. At first, it was like, oh, okay, look at, look at, he's, he's grooving right there. You're like, damn, he's on beat. This is awesome. Then he becomes crazy white guy coach. I don't know what else to do anymore. Let me just start throwing my hands up in the air. <laughs> I love it. I still think it was good. <laughs> it, was good. it was good. I think it was good. I think he's being too hard on himself. <laughs> it was good, definitely. So, um, <laughs> I have to say Happy New Year because we weren't on yesterday. Yeah. I did PFTPM when I got back from Connecticut. Was able to actually sleep for a change on a Sunday night going into a Monday. The problem is the hotel I was staying at had a New Year's Eve party, and the music was very loud, okay. very late. Yep. So, so you had you know, some of that shaking. in Rome, I guess. Yeah, so you had to hear that through the walls all night, just the, the New Year's Eve party at the hotel you're staying at. That, that's, that's tough. Like, Did you get some sleep, though? How long did it take you to fall asleep? It took a little while. It yeah. was the walls. It was the floor. It was the ceiling. It was everywhere. It was that nonstop, that, right. that house music thumping, oh. thumping, thumping, thumping. Yes. To the point where you eventually get used to it. Yeah, you yeah. <laughs> Becomes so, like a noise machine. And <laughs> and my, my wife had family over on New Year's Eve. And there was one small problem that I noticed as I was coming up here. At my usual time of about three minutes to air. Now, without getting into the specifics of how the heating and air conditioning system works in the household, I have a sensor up here in the attic above the garage that controls the temperature up here. So we don't heat the entire garage. It's a nice little system that cuts down on the heating bills. I don't need my garage to be heated or cooled. I just need it up here. Yeah. And there are different zones in the house, and it's complicated, but it's simple. And here's how simple it is. On this side of the house, there's three different thermostats that kind of pull the heat. Well, what happened was, in our dining room, 
there's a thermostat, and that got put on on New Year's Eve, and it's harder to heat and cool that room. So yada yada yada, it's eighty degrees up here right now. Oh wow! And I knew, and I knew it when I walked out to the garage. It's like, man, it feels warm in the garage for January second. Right. I don't think it's very warm outside. And I looked at the thermostat, and I saw where it's set, and I saw the actual temperature, and it's eighty degrees up here. It's like, oh god, this is gonna be one of those days. So it's time for the Albert Brooks flop sweat for the next couple of oh, hours. Oh yeah, so you're you're nice and tired. And now you're going to be in a toasty, warm room here for the next two hours, uh, making you feel more tired. And throw on top of it the fact that I stayed up and watched all of your Longhorns, and I was rooting for your Longhorns because, I don't know, you have a complicated relationship with Texas, don't you? I still was rooting for the Longhorns. I was, too. I, still was, I assumed you were rooting for the— Of yeah. course. So, yes. anyway, I couldn't believe the game wasn't over. I'm like—because I was— I was working on some stuff, and I'm paying attention to the game. It's like, all oh, this thing's over. And it's like, why isn't this over? And it's like, what the hell is going on in this game? They're going to win. And, you know, there's a, there's a sense of inevitability that arises in games like that where right. you think it's just going to happen. I felt like this is just going to happen. That's what made it so weird at the end when they didn't win because well, it felt inevitable. So much weird stuff had happened. How can you not win this game at this point? Listen, I, I, I don't I might remember I love Texas. You know, I had a great time there. It's an awesome school. I'm so proud to be a Longhorn. I really am. Yeah, is the complications you talk about, right? Yeah, I mean, of course, yeah, I feel like there's a, 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 a faction of the, the fan base down there that was disrespectful for me for a while. Yeah, I mean, and, and as I've told you and you've heard me tell stories, I mean, everywhere I went, at certain points, all people did was call me a Yankee and never really got a chance to know me, and it was just stuff like that that bothered me. But yeah, I've got a Longhorn on my leg tattooed there. You know that. So I'm I'm diehard Longhorn, but not so diehard that I fell asleep late in the game. <laughs> so you got to wow. fill me in here. So when I went to bed or somewhere here, it was 34-21, right? And Washington was in control. So I was kind of like, you know, oh, man, this isn't going to happen, and it's getting late, and I'm a little tired. And I have my own New Year's uh, story to tell you uh, in a second after this to tell you why I was even more tired. But, yeah, so I'm I'm sitting there kind of hanging on, and the next thing I know, I wake up, and it's like I was on the ESPN app in my bedroom, and it was like, hey, we're off air or whatever, and it just said, like, ESPN on it. So I had no idea who won the football game to this morning. I believe I fell asleep on the drive where Texas was going to make it 34-28, right? And that's where somewhere on that drive I passed out. So I don't know. Fill in the details there for me, big guy. Well, and look, I was kind of half in and half out anyway, and I was just waiting for the damn thing to end. <laughs> so I can't give you the play-by-play, but it was 34-28, then yep. it became 37-28, right. 37-31, and it just felt like there was an onside kick. Yeah. Right. And, okay. So wait, we recovered and, the onside kick? And Washington kick? recovers it. Okay. No, Washington recovered okay. it. That's what was so weird about it. Washington recovers it, and it's like, all right, well, okay, just take a couple of knees and this thing's over. But it wasn't quite that simple, and they did some dumb things, and they left more time on the clock, and somebody got injured at some point, and that screwed things up. And, again, I was ready to go to bed at that point. It's like – I just want to know what the final score is, and I was working on some stuff for PFT, and I was arguing with people on Twitter about the Lions' two-point play. And it's like, this damn thing is never going to end, and holy crap. And, and I locked in completely once I realized Texas has the ball back, and holy crap, it has enough time to drive down the field and win this game. And they started moving, they started moving, they started moving. It's like, they're going to win this game, they're going to win this game. And then ultimately... Last play in the end zone. And I still don't know where the ball went. I watched the play. Right. And it almost looked like the guy was going to make the catch. But then you see his gloves and there's no ball. I still don't know where the ball went. It was some kind of magical trick where the ball just disappeared. But clearly the receiver didn't catch it. And that was that. And Washington advances to play Michigan next week. And what I figure if they win, I feel like Jim Harbaugh is leaving anyway. But I feel like if they win, it's even more likely that he'll go it'll be it'll be what I said Tom Brady should have done after he won the Super Bowl 51 coming back from the 28-3 deficit 
the same year he was suspended four games. You take the ball and you hand it to whoever's in charge and you say, stick this in your trophy case and you walk away. Well, he didn't, he didn't want to take any questions after the game, right? He made sure he said what he wanted to say and then he just walked away. So he wasn't going to get, you know, cornered by Reese uh, Davis gonna, or anything in any of those. Uh, yeah, he uh, wasn't going to hear that. He wasn't going to do it. We're going to dominate. Right. We're, we're, uh, uh, we're going to dominate today. <laughs> and, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, and then we're going to dominate the next day. Uh, and then the day after that, we're going to dominate. Yeah. He has hired Agent Don Yee, who represents Sean right. Payton. Right. And, and, and I think – I think he kind of like floats around and he's been represented by different people at times. I'm not up on the whole Jim Harbaugh agent representation history. But when it's a Sunday splash report from Adam Schefter, who's a Michigan guy who has close ties to Don Yee, that Jim Harbaugh has hired Don Yee, right. that's your signal. That's your sign. That's your message that he's in play. He's in play. He's been in play each of the last two years. Right. Now he's definitely in play. And what a way to make a closing argument if you're Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I mean, first off, what what an, uh, both games were awesome. I know I didn't stay awake for the second one, but awesome. Great on TV, fun to watch. So college football should be proud of that. The Rose Bowl was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, the, the setting, those two powerhouse schools going at it, the clutchness of Michigan driving late to tie it, to send it in overtime – incredible it really was like you know Jim Harbaugh as we know and we've joked and of course I've taken a few shots at him because of some things that have happened in the past but it's all good now but you know he hasn't won a lot of these big games like this these standalone big games it was almost like he didn't even know how to react after they won it it really did it really was kind of funny I thought but good for him and I have the same feelings you do Mike I mean I think that's kind of the feeling around football right now that yeah Harbaugh made this move because he's seriously looking to align himself with an NFL football team and go there. So we'll see where this goes. But I'm with you, too, that if he wins the national championship, he can then now just go check the box and I think even feel more free to go after his ultimate goal, which is to win the Super Bowl, like he said many times. Oh, he's made it clear that is the holy grail for football coaches. He's got unfinished business at the NFL level, winning that Lombardi trophy. And, yeah, okay, college football championship, that's fine, too. That's what we're competing for here. But the Super Bowl is the thing. That's the thing his brother has, and his brother may end up with another one. The possibility of his brother getting another one as he's making these decisions, because the decisions will have been made by the time the confetti falls in Las Vegas to end Super Bowl 58, I think that gives him even more urgency to get back to work on getting at least one of the things that his brother might have two of. And this is deep-seated sibling rivalry stuff. And, yeah, you love each other, but at the same time, there is a rivalry there. They do the same thing for a living. And when you're stacking up accomplishments, you'd at least like to be equal. You don't necessarily want to one-up your brother, but you'd at least like to be even with him. Yeah. You'd at least like to have something to show for it. He's got the ring and you don't. Oh, and he beat you in the game that got him the ring. So I don't think this is ever going away for Jim Harbaugh. The question is whether or not somebody's going to want him. And – the Chargers have been linked to him. I can see the Raiders making a play for him, even though I think they should give Antonio Pierce a try. You look at the possibility of getting Jim Harbaugh if he's in play and keeping him away from the Chargers. Sorry, Antonio, we love you. We got a spot for you on the staff, but Jim Harbaugh is Jim Harbaugh. I can see Mark Davis saying that. Yeah, I, I agreed. I mean, one, you say what you want about Jim Harbaugh. I mean, he's he's a hell of a football coach, right? You, know, you certainly can talk to different people and – you know, everybody's got different feelings about him personally. He can be a little odd in conversations and all of that. But at the end of the day, when he's in a locker room, and I was there earlier this year, right, and he got to be around the Michigan players, I was shocked at how much they loved Jim Harbaugh, how real it was, how much they fed off of him and his energy and saying that he was kind of the lightning rod of the football team in the locker room on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, the, that, the, those were things that really stood out to me in my weekend in Michigan and seeing how he runs that organization. And if you're a team you know, like a Washington or a, the Chargers or the Raiders who haven't been on the right path, yeah, he's a guy that's definitely going to be able to get there, get everybody going in the right direction and make it all about, hey, let's get the focus on football and making us a better football team. And he certainly can be that guy. And look – 
Jim Harbaugh gets a bad rap from the standpoint of he has a shelf life and he can't work with other people. And there's only so much time that can elapse before it's time for everyone to move on. He's been at Michigan longer than anyone thought he would make it. And here's the challenge, because at the end of the day, Jim and John are exactly alike. John does a better job of putting a public face on it that isn't intense over the top. He'll give you the smile. He'll do the dance. He's not football, 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 football 100% of the time. He can modulate it with just enough to avoid this idea that you can't get along with him. But they're both driven by an intense desire to win. So in Baltimore, they've realized since 2008 when he arrived there, they've got something. This guy's good. It's our job to coexist with him. It's not his job to coexist with us. This guy's a force of nature who is going to lead this franchise to victories and playoff appearances and Super Bowl wins. We got to keep this guy. In San Francisco, which was a hot mess before Jim Harbaugh got there, there yeah. were still elements of hot messiness. Yeah. And whether it was Jed York or Trent Bauke or both, they didn't understand. We got to get along with this guy. This guy's special. This guy can win his championships. Let's not fight with him. Let's not push back just for the sake of pushing back. Let's let him do his thing. Because if he does his thing, we're going to win. They went from 6-10 and 10 to the brink of the Super Bowl, then to the Super Bowl, then to the brink of the Super Bowl. And by then it was broken and it was over. They almost traded him to the Browns. And then after that next season, he was out. Mutual parting. And he even said it's not a mutual parting. He, that's the thing. He doesn't care about any of the trappings or the niceties or the, yeah, or the, the, the window dressing. The BS, he is who right. he is. Yeah. And, you know, we love the authenticity of Mike McDaniel. Jim Harbaugh is every bit as authentic as Mike McDaniel. He's just a different guy. Yeah, sure. He doesn't try to hide who he is. Yeah. And sometimes you got to be a jerk to be effective in a very competitive, testosterone-driven industry like football. And, and it works. Like you said, you saw it. It works. It speaks to these guys who have to go out there and, and put their physical well-being on the line to try to advance the goals of the football program. Yeah, that, that, that's right. It does. It works, right? He's, he's I think, tweak, tweaked and tinkered with himself a little bit, even since he le- left the 49ers. You know, I think he realized kind of like the reputation he had. I think he's tried to be a little more social, or worldly, more like you're talking about with John, right? Because John, like you said, yeah, he's psycho football coach, but when he's got to put on a smile and talk and, and at least seem like a normal guy, he can do it really well. He can. Yeah, Jim doesn't seem to care that much about it, but I think he's found the fine line of, yeah, you know, appealing, appeasing the people that are important in that type of conversation, and then he still is who he is, and that's tough, detailed Right, no nonsense, and their football team showed that yesterday. That was that was incredible. It really was. Rose Bowl down seven like that late in the game. I mean, I was in my house, literally like talking to my wife, like, "Wow, this is a big drive right here. I can't believe this. Like, this is Jim Harbaugh's life right here." I, I literally was saying that out loud to my son and my my wife because you just knew how important it was to him. They haven't been able to get over the hump in these type of football games. So to see that in that moment, the way they did it in that stadium, uh, really, really awesome and, and good for Michigan. In a nutshell, the difference between John and Jim Harbaugh is this. John Harbaugh has a natural, easy smile, and Jim Harbaugh has a forced, painful, reluctant smile. <laughs> right. That's it. And with, with some crazy glasses. Medium. With some crazy glasses. Right. <laughs> yeah. But he's he's afraid to smile. It's almost like Dwight Schrute explaining that I never smile because showing your teeth is a sign of weakness. Like, that's what he's got going on. John understands there's a point where it's okay to smile. There's a point where it's okay to just kind of be happy. Jim's never happy. Jim thinks if he's happy, he's letting his guard down in some way. Anyway, we got to talk about the Ravens some, but you teased earlier, and I'm not going to Forget about this. The reason why you were so tired and unable to watch your Longhorns. I watched your Longhorns. You didn't. No, no. What happened on New Year's Eve after you from making it up? When I saw the text this morning that you had stayed up, and I was like, damn, I went to Texas and I fell asleep. And this idiot in West Virginia with, you know, three different thermostats just on one wing of the house, he stayed up. All right. So, yeah, I was like, I was disappointed. Uh, But. But so I, you know, on my way home, New Year's night, right? I get done with the pod right at New Year's, basically. And I'm here with the pod. Hey, you know, happy New Year's, blah, blah, blah. 
I, I realize my wife is called, so I call as soon as I get in the car. She, oh, right? My daughter, my 17-year-old, as I had told you, was having a little bit of a New Year's party. She said she was going to have 10 to 15 people there. Well, uh-huh. as we know, with 17-year-olds, that doesn't uh-huh. exactly happen. And it sounds like, you know, there was Party some, at the Sims house. Yeah, exactly. Dad's not home. Right, right, right. So, and I think my, you know, it sounds like it was about 40 to 50 people and didn't go crazy, but obviously crazy enough. And it's in my old barn, right? So, she, you know, the barn's not that big to where 50, 60 people is going to be a comfortable fit there. My wife, I think, was trying to give, you know, my daughter some privacy or whatever, let her have fun. But, of course, every time she kept hearing louder noises, whatever, and finally had to go like, hey, get the hell out of here. But I got home and... Yeah, like the house was a mess. We had this giant tree in our barn, right? Beautiful tree. Like, I guess the bunch of idiot drunk high school kids tried to climb up it, and they knocked it over. And, (laughs) you know, there's liquor on the floor. It smells like perfume. There's, you know, the the trees all over the floor with the pine needles. So... I, of course, was a little revved up and annoyed when I you know, got home. I'm already awake because it's like I just got done with a podcast, and it took me a while to calm down. I couldn't even look at my daughter in the eye for a while. I was pretty pissed off, and I don't think I went to bed till past like 3 a.m. On, uh, on Sunday night. Is this a Christmas tree in your barn or just a tree that happened? It was, no, a Christmas I tree. I have a big Christmas okay. tree that's like is probably 15 They tried to feet. climb a Christmas tree? Apparently, it just sounds like, I, well, now I'm getting more and more details, right? So my, my daughter's boyfriend was over last night, and I was just like, oh, I can't believe it. And he was like, I'm sorry, Mr. Sims. I should have stepped in more. I'm sorry. I really should have helped more and, and stopped some of these things. And I was like, I just, I was like, I can't believe the tree. I was like. Who and they were like, he goes, yeah. Somebody climbed up to the top of the barn and jumped down onto the tree. Like somebody dared one of the kids and did that. Oh. So it was like, yeah. And I just was disappointed to come home to one of the last few nights you're gonna have it up, right? And have it be all messed up. And of course the lights were knocked out and all that. So that that got me a little heated uh, on uh, to start my New Year's. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed. Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Dear listener, Please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fandango. Breathe in. Smell the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. (sighs) Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango. It's your ticket to the movies. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Go for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. That's the thing I always explained to my son when he would have people over. You reach a certain number where there is anonymity in the raw volume of humans in the room. Yeah, people right. You can start doing stuff, and nobody's ever going to know who did it. Yes, right. If you just have 10 or 15, that doesn't happen. You get to a certain number, and people start doing crazy stuff because they think no one's ever going to know they're the ones who did it. We had an experience like that five, six years ago, Hall of Fame game. Shereen Williams was getting honored. Jill and I go up there to Canton. We make the drive up on a Friday. And I knew Alex was planning to have some kids over. Well, we start to catch wind of efforts of one of them to go buy, you know, kegs. And and the reports that I eventually got were (laughs) cars parked all the way down the hill on the road up to our house. 
and our patio out back fully covered with people to the point where, I mean, it was like a club outside. Yeah. Like, I'm surprised the place was still standing when we got home. So right. been there, done that, did not have a tree that was climbed that right. I know of. Right. But, uh, yeah, that, that – uh, but it never happened again after that. That was it. He, he learned. He's, well, he's a little older now, too, so I don't have to worry about it. He's out of that zone where you have to worry about yeah. a bunch of people in their late teens, early 20s showing up at your house and having no regard whatsoever. That's it. They just get to a point where they just have no regard. I've been there. You just have no regard. Yeah. You're having fun. Right. And you've had a little to drink. Exactly. So, yeah, and, and a little to smoke. And, you know, yeah. if that was in play. Right. And, yeah, you just do whatever you want to do. Yeah, yeah. All right. Kind of like us this morning, 22 minutes in, doing whatever we want to do. Although we have kind of talked about the Ravens and the Harbaugh's. So we're at least in the general vicinity of what we're supposed to be talking about. And that is the Baltimore Ravens, the one seed, trying to figure out what they're going to do this weekend, Saturday afternoon. Steelers at Ravens. Steelers still need to win to to have a chance to get in, and it's standalone early game, so all they know is we got to win. Ravens don't have to do anything. If they're if they're not interested in seeing the Steelers again in the playoffs, they would be wise to try to knock them out. But you want to keep your guys healthy. You don't want I think, Chris, what happened to Bradley Chubb in garbage time on Sunday. Down 49-19. Yeah. Bradley Chubb right. tears the ACL. Inexcusable. Shouldn't have been on the field. That now becomes the, the context for these decisions that are being made by both the Ravens and the 49ers. One seed locked up. What do we do? But we saw it four years ago. They took the foot off the gas for the final week of the regular season. Then they had their bye. Then the Titans came to town in the divisional round and beat them. That's the concern. You get out of your habits, you get out of your routine, you get out of your rhythm, and you can't just snap your fingers and bring it back. That's the, that's the heart of the challenge for the coach. Yeah, it is. It's it's a tough one, and it's even tougher, I think, to your point, when you see a big, you know, a bad injury like Bradley Chubb on your field right in front of your face, and it's a reminder, certainly. But I still think the big picture here, and of course, you know, you want to do your best to try to keep players healthy. And, and be at your best for the playoffs. And you got to kind of look at each player individually, right? If there's guys that have hey, been banged up, okay, hey, you're not playing. That's it. But if you got, you know, generally you're pretty healthy. You're somewhere in that 98% to 100% healthy zone. You know my thoughts on this, Mike. Play football. I get too scared of what you just kind of described. What the, happened to them in the tennis, versus the Tennessee Titans in that first round playoff game. Their divisional playoff game a few years ago. Well, yeah, you know, Tennessee had played a playoff game, right? It was against the New England Patriots, of course. So they, hey, it was Tom Brady, last maybe last home playoff game, Vrabel going against Belichick. They were in playoff mode. They already knew what the intensity level was. Baltimore, it took them like two and a half quarters to figure out, oh, crap, we're in a playoff game. We got to turn it on. And I, as I always bring up with you, just the great Patriot teams through the first two uh decades of this of this century that they, they always played a little bit in these situations at least a half if they were the one seed and had it locked up so I err on playing and kind of keeping you know your team tight or not tight but you know hitting on all cylinders to where it's not too long of a layoff in that divisional game and Kyle Shanahan talked about this yesterday from the perspective of the 49ers. Even Sean McVay talked about it because they're in. Yeah, they're in it and now. And this game. Right. Yeah, they, they like, are you going to rest your guys too and get them ready for the playoffs? And it's not just as easy as saying we're going to give our starters time off. You've got only so many practice squads you can – practice squad moves you can make. You've still got to put guys on the field. Yeah, You've got to have 48 right. in uniform. And, and your practice week is part of your routine. So you're going to practice the guys who are going to play. So it's not just we're not playing. See, I think the genius of what Bill Belichick did, it forced them to still stay in their regular practice week routine. Right. They're not shutting it down all together. Right. Yes. And they're not they're not just playing very much on game day, but they went through all the stuff ahead of time. Very so important. that part of it won't be foreign to them. Because, look, I mean, the, the, the psychology of it, the pressure of it. Think about the pressure. Once – the playoffs start, the records go out the window. All that matters is the seeding. And you've earned the number one seed. You had a special season. You fought and scratched and clawed and won and won and won. And now you're the top seed. And, 
and you feel it all starting to evaporate in that three hours. And you know how fast it goes during a game. You only get so many opportunities to possess the ball, and the other team's moving the ball, and they're scoring points, and you feel like you're, you're just kind of in a fog or in a daze, and the next thing you know, it's you're playing from behind, and what the hell is this? And, and then you get to that point in the third or fourth quarter where you think, oh, crap, we're going to lose this game. And that's not how your special season is supposed to end, but the opponent doesn't care. The opponent has nothing to lose. The opponent has no pressure. The opponent's playing with house money. And I really do think that's why we see the one seed lose as often as we do. Sure. The one seed should never lose. They lose. And there was a time when it was about 50% of the time they lost. I think it's less than that now. But they're vulnerable, I think, because of that. That landing of the plane late in the regular season. How do you stay sharp? That's the challenge. And the good news for the Ravens is, they just went through this four years ago. So they'll at least have that, that framework for being on guard against getting themselves caught flat-footed in the, in the divisional round. Yeah, I, I would think so. I would think, you know, that, that game has still got to be very prevalent in, in John Harbaugh's mind and even Lamar Jackson and the fact of finding that right touch. You know, you bring up the, the, the right points there. You know, it's not just the game. It's the week of practice, right? It's it's everything. It's about keeping in routine. It's about staying on little small details that can get lost in a relaxed week, right? That's the big thing. It's the process in which has been making us so awesome, and hey, we're on a winning streak, and we've been doing it like this for eight weeks, and now we break it up. And okay, now we want to come back the week after and replicate that, but it's not the same. We kind of took a little off. And our week's a little different. I was on a number one seed team once in my life. I can speak to it a little bit, right? The, I've always told you the Tennessee Titan team I was on in 2018 was the, or two, two, uh, 2008 was the best team I was ever on in my NFL career, right? They, we had a similar scenario. Last game of the year, played the Indianapolis Colts and Peyton Manning in a game that meant nothing, right? So during that week, it was a relaxed week to end the regular season. It wasn't a full, hey, starters, practice, we're really preparing to win this football game. It was a little bit of like, hey, starters, get some reps. Hey, now backups, get in because you're going to play this week and get some reps. So you do that. Then now becomes the bye week. Everybody's getting ready for the wild card, team, wild card game, but you're the number one seed. So now practice that week. Yeah, you have practice, but it's not quite as intense. It's not. It's not the sort normal routine. It is a few extra days off here and there. And now it's, oh, hey, we're back for the playoff game. And, hey, we're relaxed and we feel good and this is awesome and the energy's all there. But the other team, like you've said so many times, is wound up tight and already been in the battle and already know and been doing this for like three weeks in a row now. And now they're in that groove we just talked about with the number one seed that's going, hey, we had it rolling at the end of the season. We were doing all this week after week after week. Now they're playing a team that's in that groove, and they've taken themselves out of that groove. Sorry to talk so long and explain it, but you know it's still something that I remember to this day, and I'll never forget. And it's part of the reason why you hear me always talk about don't rest your guys too much in Week 18. Here, you got to play and stay sharp for all the reasons that you you've explained here. And here's the here's the I think fundamental problem. I mentioned this yesterday on the PFTPM podcast. If you play your starter and you get a Bradley Chubb situation, you're never going to hear the end of it. Yeah, that's ever. that's if the you problem. Rest too. them. That's right. And you eventually lose. Most fans aren't going to do the dotted line, the breadcrumb tra breadcrumb trail back to. Oh, if you just would have played your starters in Week 18, you're right. That's a valid fine. point. You're you're less likely to get criticized for resting your starters and losing than playing your starters and losing one of them, even if you win. Even if you still win, you're never going to live down the fact that you played that guy and he suffered an injury and you didn't have him available to you for the rest of the playoff run. So I think that is a big part of it as well. And the other thing, too, that the Ravens are going to have to do, because all that stuff that came out of the stupid things I said two weeks ago about the 49ers and the Ravens, well documented, no reason to relitigate that. It gave them kind of lightning in a bottle that they've clearly harnessed and it clearly lingered into the game against the Dolphins, definitely for one of the people in the stands. It's it's not, you know, it's like 
Even though I picked the Ravens to beat the Dolphins, that doesn't matter at this point. There, there, there it is. They still, they still, they still are salty about it, and I think they want to stay salty about it. Well, being salty about what I said about the Christmas night game isn't going to matter in the postseason. They need to find something else to get salty about. Whether it's people in the media who start to say, "Hey, Lamar Jackson can't win in the playoffs," I'm not saying it. I'm saying that if people in sports media start saying it, I'm not giving. I'm not going to make it easy for you this time, John Harbaugh. I made it easy for you last time. I'm not making it easy for you. You're going to have to earn it this time. It's going to be somebody other than me that gives it to you. But they're going to have to be looking for something like that to kind of put gas back in that tank because the fumes are gone of victories fueled by the stupid thing I said. The reset button is coming. Whether it's week 18 or whether it's the bye week when they're not playing in the wild card round, that's over. They need something else to put the chip back on their shoulder. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's part of what the challenge is to get them ready for whoever it is that comes in to see them in the divisional round. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You're right. You're right. And, and we talked about it a little bit last week, and, and I think, again, it showed itself on, on Sunday. Uh, yeah, whether it's you, you know, saying stupid stuff on a podcast or, you know, whether it's just the fear – of the team they're playing, that is when they're at their best, right? I mean, we've kind of discussed that a little bit. It was, oh, oh no, Detroit's coming into town. They're one of the best teams in football. Oh, it's the 49ers. We're underdogs. Oh, it's the Seattle Seahawks who were hot at the time with Geno Smith and the offense and everything going. Oh, we're going to blow them out. I mean, so there, there is something about, you know, when they have a little fear or motivation or chip, whatever you want to talk about, they – play their best football and they got to find a way to yeah like you're talking about replicate that uh so they can have that same sort of intensity focus whatever because the last two weeks is i mean you know this is we've only talked about the 49ers the whole year of a team that's looked like that that good that high level of a football play you know two games in a row and that's where it's impressive and let's see if they can you know find the way to keep that magic going NC Ravens fans would say, we've been doing it all year. You just haven't paid attention. Because that's what I've been hearing for the last couple of weeks. And I wouldn't have picked the 49ers to win that's not handily true. on right. Christmas night. Right. Well, look what they did to the Seahawks. Look what they did to the Lions. Sure. That, that's the, the, that's the arguing point. points that they make. Right. Right. And and also, and you know, what, what did it for me, and I think this is where I, I got sideways, I wasn't as impressed by their win over the Rams as I should have been because the Rams have become one of the best teams in football. I thought that maybe they should have made quicker work of the Rams. I thought the fact that it felt like the Rams were going to win that game in the rain in December in Baltimore, that that was kind of like, even though you won that game, I'm not impressed by what you did. I should have been more impressed by it because the Rams are better than we realized. Yep. And the Ravens have that willingness, that ability, that focus. They just do what needs to be done. And they're learning from their mistakes, and that's going to be the key going into the playoffs. Can they learn from what happened in 2019? I don't know how many of the same well, guys are still there. There's a lot of turnover <laughs> every year, but it's the same head coach, the same quarterback, and the pieces around them. They need to help educate them on what happened four years ago and how we avoid it happening again whenever the division around rolls around and, and whenever they're out there, whoever comes in. You know, that's the thing. The level of the opponent may provide some incentives yeah, and motivation. Right Who knows? I think right. you're more likely to get caught flat-footed by somebody that you look at and say, oh, we can handle them. You want to have some element yeah. that's going to get your full focus right. and attention because what you're saying is when you have the Ravens' full focus and attention, you've already lost. Yes, right. Like if it was, you know, the Chiefs come into town, the divisional round, maybe even the Browns, somebody like that, right, that, that kind of wakes them up, perks them up. I, I think that that would be the type of thing that would benefit them. I know that'll be scary uh, for sure. But, Mike, like, you know, back to what you just said, too, right? I mean, I picked the 49ers to win the football game against the Ravens. The Ravens, yeah. I mean, again, maybe we should have given more credit for the Rams, certainly. But the Jaguar game was not great the week before that. It was kind of like, eh, okay. The Charger game before the Rand game I mean, the Chargers, that game was there to be had for them to upset the Ravens. So they had played a few games that were kind of like, oh, man, you know, where, where's the, the top-level, high-level team that we saw against the Lions? And I think that's why 
we, you and I both went against the 49ers who were kind of that hot team and in that streak at that moment. Here's the other thing I'll throw out to you, Mike Kerr, right? Bringing back this whole conversation to you play your guys in the, uh, in the, the end of this season. Uh, and and I, I'm totally going off the top of my head here, but I, I'm usually pretty good in these departments, whether, as long as it's not a simsism. I don't, have we had a team that's won the Super Bowl here in recent history? That hasn't really played the last regular season game and done all that thing? I don't think we have, really. I don't, you know, every team that's won the Super Bowl here has kind of had to play week 18 for some reason here for, I think, a pretty good stretch now. And I think that could almost prove it to a point, too, right? And and, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going through Kansas City, Tampa Bay, right? Um you know, uh, yeah, and I mean, of course, the Eagles last year are didn't play, and of course, what happened to them? So that, that that's I'm just trying to rack my brain here, but but I feel like there's not a lot of success stories with rest week 18, and we're going to go on a playoff run uh, and win the Super Bowl that I can remember here in recent history. I'm thinking of the Rams. I can't remember what happened with the Rams week 18, 2021. I'm pretty the sure they had a play. That game, 27-24 in overtime. Um, the Rams were up 17 nothing, and the the uh, the 49ers came back and won week 18, 2021. And Matthew Stafford, 32 passes thrown, so he played in that game. Uh, Sony Michelle, Cooper Cup. The starters were in that game, so um, well they because there yeah. was there was what better seating for them involved. I think that year yeah. it wasn't necessarily right. They could have been like maybe the three seed, or maybe even the the two seed that year. I think if some things fell out the right way, instead they end up being the four seed because they lose to the 49ers who needed to get in, and then therefore they were on the road playing Tampa in the divisional round. So uh, yeah, I, I do remember them having to play. That's for sure. And beating Tampa in Tampa was one of the keys to being at home for the NFC Championship where the 49ers came back and they beat them. I remember it was a big 49ers takeover now. I remember that so far right. the final week of the season. It, just, it, was, it was embarrassing to the Rams, and it wasn't quite as bad in the NFC Championship when they got the win. Here's another element, too, because I've been sitting here thinking about the teams that would get the full focus and attention naturally of the Ravens in the AFC playoff. Yeah, mode. right. And the fact that they lost at home to the Browns right. is going to help. Yes. The fact that they lost at home to the Colts, if the Colts somehow, somehow sneak through the cracks, that's going to help. I think the teams that would be the most dangerous, because if the Chiefs show up, you're going to have your full focus and attention. If the Bills show up, full focus and attention. I think if the Dolphins come back, then it may not be quite as easy the next time around because you had it so easy with them just a few weeks earlier. If the Texans are the team that comes in, the Ravens beat them in Baltimore all the way back in week one. Yeah. And if the Jaguars come in, because they just beat the Jaguars not that long ago, those are the three teams where you're going to have to go over the top a little bit to get the full focus and attention of the Ravens. It's not going to naturally be there. Yeah, I, I, I agree with your thought there. I do. I think that would be, you know, I'd worry about, yeah, you're right, Dolphins coming around, divisional round, oh, we already smoked them once. We'll, we'll kick their butt again, right? And we know how that goes, right? It, it, again, even in the NFL, these blowout losses, wins, they're not, you know, like peewee football. It's three or four plays, really, that really all it comes down to, to where you go, ooh, those three plays don't happen. The game would have been a lot different. And, of course, Miami would be highly motivated. So I, I would agree with your assessment there. Those would be the teams that I would think would, would scare them or at least get their attention uh, the most. The Bills and the Ravens did not play this year. In October 2022, Buffalo went they came to Baltimore back. and won 23-20. So there's a little bit of a history there, but it's not immediate recent history. And the Bills and the beat Bills them in the playoffs. The Dolphins, a few years that's right. Ago, right. So that, that, that's, that's a little something that will help the Ravens be ready for the Bills if it is the Bills. And this is amazing. I posted the power rankings because I had them done. I was working on them last night watching the football game. So what the hell? Why wait until 9 o'clock? Number one, Ravens. Number two, 49ers. Number three, Bills. And the Bills aren't even in the playoffs yet. They're number three, and they're not even in. And they, there's a chance if they lose and the Jaguars and Steelers win, they don't make it. That is amazing to think. Going into week 18, the team that is number three in the league might not make the playoffs. It'll be determined Sunday night, NBC, last game of the season, game number 272, Bills at Dolphins for the AFC East Championship. 
And for the Dolphins, it's either, you know, two seed or six seed. The winner's going to be the two seed. And if the Bills lose, we'll know by then the full stakes. By the time they start the game, we'll know if it's win and be the two seed or lose and not get to the playoffs at all, which would be a hell of a swing. That's a hell of a swing. You win, you're the number two seed only behind the Ravens. You lose and you go home and you're done. And again, if the Jaguars and Steelers both win going into Sunday night, we will know those are the stakes for the Bills. But either way, either way, it's a perfect, it's the perfect kind of game to end the season with because it's for a division championship. It's for the number two seed, and the consequence is going to be a low seed or possibly no seed. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing. It's the, it's the perfect way to end the football season. AFCs, you know, division rivals. Right, we've seen some exciting games from the time these these teams. This will be the what the fifth time they play each other in the last two years, right? I mean, Bill um, Dolphins made it close up there in the wild card game last year with a third string quarterback. Uh, I can't wait to see it. I really can. And yeah, it's it's crazy that Buffalo could you know with with the circumstances you kind of laid out could end up not in the playoffs. And we all, and I think anybody watching football would go, Buffalo's definitely one of the best teams in football over the last five to six weeks. There's no question about it. And seriously could be a major player in the AFC. And I don't think it would shock any of us if they ended up in the Super Bowl, which is shocking if you went back to Chris Sims and Mike Florio nine, eight weeks ago, but not so shocking you know, if you've been watching football the last month. So uh, can't wait to, to, to see that game Sunday night. It's going to be a good one for us. I talked to Rasul Douglas from the Bills after the win over the Patriots. He had a couple of interceptions and one he took back for a touchdown. And I wanted to know when the turning point was because he's a guy who came in with a different perspective. He was traded by the Packers to the Bills. Kind of a an underrated, very impactful storyline for both conferences because his departure from the Packers made them lesser on defense and his arrival made the bills better Yeah, and the Packers may not make it. And the, the bills still may not make it, but the bills are better than they've been. It turned when Sean McDermott addressed the team after the hit piece came out. And I don't mean that in a pejorative sense, but it was clearly a hit piece on Sean McDermott. Even if it was hundred percent accurate and rooted in fact, it was still a hit piece on Sean McDermott. Once that thing came out with the whole, the nine 11 story from Several years ago at training camp, he met with the team after that, and and that's you know again, you 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 take your natural fuel and your organic motivation wherever it comes from. For the Ravens, for the Bills, it was the article about Sean McDermott that kind of tore him down and made him look bad, and they rallied around him. And according to Douglas, that was the turning point. The question is, did they turn with enough time left to dig out of the hole that they'd made for themselves? Yeah, that'll, that'll be the big question. And, and again, hey, I, I, hopefully they have a big week of practice. And, of course, you know, our full all systems go here. Because last week, you know, we, you, know you, you explained they rallied around McDermott. It's been really good. But it's two games in a row here where it's not great football. I mean, again, the Chargers and Easton Stick made them sweat it out on December 23rd. The Patriots game, I mean, if Bailey Zappi doesn't throw some of the dumbest interceptions you've ever seen in your life, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It felt like New England kind of outplayed Buffalo in a lot of ways. So, you know, that's what's interesting, too. We got two teams playing for an AFC East title where one team got annihilated and certainly could be a little bit self-doubting at this point let alone they lost their best defensive player who was their second best defensive player because the first one got lost already in Jalen Phillips so to not have that and then you know you got the Bills who yeah they're flying high but they got to be a little bit like ah, we haven't played our best here lately I think that adds to the intrigue here and then of course the two quarterbacks and and what they got at stake and of course how big they are in our league it, it all makes the game a lot better the uh, Dolphins are down some players. We talked about Bradley Chubb. He's done. Torn ACL confirmed on Monday. Xavier Howard, star cornerback, week to week with a foot injury. Week to week is not good. Day to day, okay, maybe we'll see him. Week to week, we're not going to see him this week, and maybe we won't see him in the wild card round either. He's got a foot injury that he suffered in the first quarter of the blowout loss to the Ravens. Tua Tonga-Vailoa, shoulder injury late in the game, left and didn't return. 
Tua said Sunday he's sore, but he's good. Mike McDaniel said on Monday he's not worried about it. So that's that's good news for the Dolphins. And for the Bills, Josh Allen's got some neck soreness, yeah. but they don't expect it to affect his preparation for the Sunday night showdown in Miami. And we've seen this coming for the past few weeks. Once the Bills started to turn around, it's like, hang on, hang on. Holy crap, there's a way that Week 18 is going to be for the AFC East Championship. Even though it felt like we'd already kind of unofficially handed the crown to the Dolphins, the Bills were still in play, and they got just enough help with that loss on Sunday by Miami and Baltimore to create the scenario where all they have to do is win this game. And they're the champions, even though it felt like they'd been left in the dust. Yeah, no, I and and, and I want them in, of course. I mean, we I think we both want them in. You know, we talk about it all the time. We want the seven best teams, and I don't think there's any doubt that in the AFC, the Bills are one of the seven best teams. I want to see the Miami Dolphins in as well, right? So I certainly I would not be mad for my own personal viewing purposes if hey maybe a Pittsburgh somehow lost to Baltimore or even Jacksonville lost uh, to Tennessee to make sure that, okay, both the Dolphins and the Bills are in, but at least now they're playing for the two seed and you know, the AFC's title, which is still plenty important. Uh, but Because I, I do not want to see the Bills not in this playoff and then see a team that is a little bit underwhelming or boring get in instead of them. Uh, I don't want that. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, we flip it over to the NFC, where the defending conference champions have lost their way. Can they get it back in time to make noise in the postseason? We'll talk about the Eagles when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. 